from Relay FM. This is the Pen Addict, episode 333. Today's show is brought to you by Away, Casper, and Pen Chalet. My name is Mike Hurley. I'm joined by Brad Dowdy. And Brad, this is the most magical episode. Do you know why? Why? Because three is a magic number. Oh, all the threes. Episode mm-hmm. 333. Mm-hmm. I thought it was just because I'm here. Well, you know. Yes, sure. And I've I've been here 333 times, Mike, so that's super magical. Yeah, you really have, haven't you? Good work <laughs> on that. It's a little scary when you say it out loud. Mm-hmm. Well, we've been going for a long time, so it's fine. Well, and it's, it's actually weird to be here today because this is the first time um, we've been in these specific normal chairs for, what, three weeks now? Something weeks? like that. Yeah, for about yeah. three weeks. Because we recorded early, and then we traveled, and then we released podcasts that we had previously recorded, and now we're back to what would be considered our normal set, I our guess. Our regularly so. scheduled programming. Mm, yes, regularly scheduled. So, yeah, it's good. It's good. It's good to be back talking about pens, following up on all of our goodness that we've done over the past uh, couple of weeks and then getting into some new stuff, which is what we do, right? Mm-hmm. So let's let's wrap up this Kickstarter project. I It's sad that it's come to an end, right? Is it our, done? It's uh, done. Like, <laughs> it's right there. Pretty okay. much there. Okay. <laughs> so the vlog has been sent yep. for the NYC Toronto portion of the show. So that's been sent out to backers. The Tallulahs, Mike, have shipped. Tallulahs wow. and pin sets have shipped, but there are some outstanding ones that have yet to ship just because of address conflicts or follow-up. So there's a small batch that we still have to fulfill. But essentially... It's nothing's our fault now. <laughs> so you say, I, I rarely go that far. It's usually my fault a lot of times. But yes, we are... We're in the clear now. We're, what, 98% there? No, but, like, address conflicts and stuff like that, you know, typically that's not something that you, that me or you did wrong. You know, there's just, like, there's an issue that, that isn't our fault as such, sure. you know? So, sure, but it's just those peoples are, are taking an extra couple of days to process. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're cleaning all that up. So we're in, we're in the cleanup phase of Kickstarter backer shipping. That's uh, majority has shipped. So yeah, we're there. Like I feel like we're there. So Good we'll do the do the shipping cleanup over there. That'll probably take a couple of weeks. We got the majority of it um replied to yesterday, so those will ship out tomorrow. And then the rest is just one off cleanups. Um, you know, did we miss a pin set here? Do we have a package not arrive there? So we're pretty much there. Feel good about it. I'm glad. I'm sorry for the delays. That was just a uh, terrible, terrible, annoying delay, and uh, but we're there, so we wrapped it all up about at the same time, and uh, hope everyone enjoys their cases. Um, that should be on their way to them. One other thing was last week's podcast, Mike. I re-listened to it this morning. I really enjoyed that show. <laughs> I wanted to go relive it again before we talk today because we we don't have much follow up from that since we kind of did it for two weeks in a row so we're not gonna belabor the point but we had a couple points we wanted to discuss in this show but just overall i just wanted to say thanks again to everyone who made it happen it was really really fun and i enjoyed re-listening to the podcast and listening to how tired i sounded and we all sounded we were exhausted 
Uh, my wa- my wife walked by this morning. She goes, "Is that you talking?" She says, "You sound terrible." <laughs> I said, "Yeah, I was really tired, and we all were." So uh, it definitely sounded like we were tired in that show, that episode. Mm-hmm. But uh, it was it was worth every bit of tiredness, right? Most definitely. You mentioned some follow up. I have some great follow up. Uh, in the episode, you and Anna were talking about where the name um, McNally Jackson comes from, the company mm-hmm. that owns Goods for the Study. And mm-hmm. you were both talking about an association with Ram McNally, the map company. Um, McNally Jackson actually weighed in on this. They have nothing, Yeah, that was fun. Uh, this is nothing to do with them. So this is from McNally Jackson. They said, we opened in 2004. We were called McNally Robinson after an excellent bookstore in Canada. We have no affiliation to Ram McNally. Just more reasons to love Canada. Yep. So I, it was cool to see them chime in. So someone had mentioned that uh, mm-hmm. and was asked, was like uh, questioning that, and they they chimed in, cleared us all up. So I appreciate that. That was very cool. It's great. It's a lot of follow up like that, straight from the source. <laughs> the best, the best way, right? Mm-hmm. So today uh, I received the new Apple Pencil. So I, it's mm-hmm. a delivery of an iPad Pro. Um, and with it came the new Apple Pencil. And I don't have an absolute ton to say about it right now, but I wanted Mm -hmm. to talk about a couple of things that relate to my original review and things that I was looking for then that I feel I have now in the new Apple Pencil. So um, one of the biggest things for me uh, was the... The fact that the Apple Pencil was completely cylindrical, the original. Uh, mm-hmm. they, Apple said that they put weights in it to stop it from rolling off a desk. Um, I, I ultimately feel that that it didn't really do much of anything. Uh, it right. would still roll away. But now the Apple Pencil has one flat side to it, um, which, as you can imagine, significantly helps it uh, stop gaining momentum if it rolls, but also more than anything, when you put it down, it will come to a stop really easily, um, which is great. Uh, I'm very happy that they added the flat side. I also think that it's comfortable uh, to like put your thumb on as, as stability when you're writing with the thing. Like It, it feels nicer to have that flat side. Um, the reason they added the flat side uh, was so they could do two things. One, magnetically attach the Apple Pencil, to the side of the iPad, which is awesome. It's a very strong uh, magnetic attachment. You kind of have to get it just in the right place, but it's easy to feel because the the pencil will kind of guide you to it. Um, But you can kind of put it slightly off uh, the magnet, and it's only got like one of the magnets in, so it's not as strong, Mm. but it's not difficult to put it in the right place, honestly. Um, And it's a very strong magnet. You know, like it doesn't come off uh, with being jostled of course if it hits something or like you're putting it in a bag if it catches on the bag it will come off but i think that that's perfectly fine like the the what i was doing with using a pen loop that would happen as well you know i put it in my backpack and sometimes the apple pencil will pop out of the pen loop like mm-hmm. this is going to happen i think that this is the best solution that they could have kind of come up with without making something pretty pretty ungainly un- in some way right whether it's right. putting it inside the ipad which would be a nightmare um, or inside of the case, which would make a big bump on the case or whatever. So it works great for that. But also uh, with the flat side and the magnetic attachment comes inductive charging to the Apple Pencil, which is fantastic. 
Uh, it means that the Apple Pencil is always charged. Um, it means that you don't have a cap to lose anymore. But really, like, I never had much of a problem with the charging method of the iPad Pro. It was often used as a joke, but I maintain that I think <laughs> Apple did the right thing because it meant that it was easy to charge. You could charge it with the device. You didn't have to plug it in somewhere else to charge it, you know? So, like, I maintain that, like, it was uh, it was a little bit unseemly, but it it, it did the job, I think. Uh, but what they've done now is perfect, right? That Because it's not just that it's a simple way to charge. It is the fact that it was always charged, which is a big deal. Because I would frequently grab my Apple Pencil and the battery was dead. Because if the Apple Pencil and the iPad were close together, it would slowly drain the battery away because it mm-hmm. was, the connection was maintained. Um, but now that doesn't matter, uh, which I think is fantastic. There is a textured finish now. It's more of a matte textured finish, which I'm a big fan of. Um, oh, really? Yeah, so that, that feels a lot nicer. Uh, plus, it is shorter and more balanced. So the okay. new Apple Pencil kind of, it is about as long, just you know, a few millimeters taller than up to the point where the little metal ring was before the lightning port. So mm-hmm. overall, it's a little shorter, and it feels much more nicely weighted and like evenly weighted now, where it didn't before. And I think that's come down to the size difference, um, and also just I assume something else going on in the internals. Uh, maybe the magnets are helping it. Maybe it's got a little bit more heft to it anyway. But I will say that this is a superior product to the original Apple Pencil. In just about every way. And of course, it now has the ability to double tap to do a tool change. So like, in, like so for example, Notes has this. Third-party apps are adding it too. But Notes has this where if you double tap it, you can switch back to the eraser and erase and double tap and go back to the tool and start writing again. And uh, third-party developers can assign absolutely anything they want to that, which is really exciting. There was a beta of Procreate. I think it was Procreate where you would double tap it and a little menu will pop up with tools that you could select. Now that is friggin' awesome and I'm very excited to to see what um, creative applications implement. Yeah, and I've seen some GIFs already this morning Federico putting out of just basically some like cut and paste, not like text, but like grabbing an image, you know, Mm -hmm. cutting it, moving it around just from the the double tap menu. So it's really, really interesting. Um. So I've got one coming too. It has not arrived yet. And the biggest hang up I had, which you already covered of the old one, wasn't actually the charging method. It was just actually remembering to charge it in the first place. Mm -hmm. There were, I'd say the majority of the time I'd go to want to use the pencil and it would have no charge. So having it attached and have the inductive charging is just going to make it that much more convenient for me to use to actually really absorb myself into that type of workflow which I could never really grasp before I didn't commit to it all the way but I'm gonna commit to this one um, just because I think the functionality is just so much improved just from ease of use and portability um, and I, I, I kind of look forward to seeing what I can do. Um, I enjoy sketching with the Apple Pencil a lot, even though I use my notebooks more. Um, I enjoy that style because I can create little 
you know, in the different programs I use like Linea or paper, or, mm-hmm. you know, you can create like spe- specific journals or documents that ha- hold certain things and can organize them more than like my notebook, you know, my, my notebook might be scattered where I can just move things around easier digitally. So I, I look forward to, to using it. I am wondering if you're a little sad, you won't get to use your little Leuchtturm pen loop anymore, or are you just going to throw it on there for old time's sake you know no, we're no. all so used to seeing that, that this was never you know this that was always a, a convenience it was never a desire you know right. it's the same with the Kaveco <laughs> pen grip right like right all of Rip. the reasons that i use the pen grip i don't really need them anymore it feels nicer yeah. to hold it's got more grippiness to it and it has a flat side so like yeah. all of those things were great but they were always trying to solve issues now of course in a couple of weeks' time, I may find some new issues that didn't exist before. Sure. I need to find some solutions to them. Uh, but th- initially, it solved most of the problems, if not all the problems that I had with the original version. Yep. Yep, I think so. So, you know, this isn't necess- necessarily our our topic area, but it's so adjacent to it, and so many of our listeners are, are definitely in, you know users of these types of devices that you might hear us talk about this from time to time especially if i get on the on the full bandwagon like i'm uh purporting purporting to do mike so um you we we might have some more apple pencil talk as we go through this good yep um i wanted to kind of also just mention something that i got on the on the uh on the tour during the pen show you know like i got mm-hmm. a couple of little items that were really nice but one that i just wanted to spend a minute talking about was the aurora optima flex that was gifted mm-hmm. to us um from our friends at the fountain pen hospital mm-hmm. i'm surprised how much i enjoy this pen i didn't think i was gonna like it uh, just because the all of the experiences that i've had of aurora pens in the past I, I wasn't super keen on but this one it works really really great for me i'm very happy with it it's a it's a wonderful nib uh, the color is is lovely. I, I really enjoy the ink window that's that's by the grip section. This is a great pen. I'm very very happy with it. So as I use mine that they gifted me, the gray one, all I can think about is how much I think Mike would like this pen. By the way that the nib writes, mm-hmm. for me it's not fine enough. I'm actually I love the nib. I love the feel of it. I love the style of it. I love the barrel. Everything about it, it's just a little bit wide to from the basic line, not the flex line. I'm just talking about my standard writing. So I'm going to get this mine modified to either like a stub or italic or maybe a little bit finer and then still have a little bit of that flex. But from your perspective, I can see it being just like a great daily writer. Like it's just got this the right width of line the right feel like the it feels awesome to write with right like it's you can feel the flex but you know you can moderate that you know by how yeah, it reminds me of the write. king of pen in that regard where it's just like the flex isn't like in your face but you can do it if you want to yeah and it adds that little extra little bit of something to your line so i love it and I'm going to get mine tweaked a little bit. I want to see what I can do with this nib because I think I would like it even more if I could get the base level writing experience finer and not mess up the flex. So I'll be, I'll be having some talks about the, this nib, what I can do with it. 
to make it more of an enjoyable base writing experience. And believe me, it's perfectly fine, but it's like I'm writing with a Pelican medium nib and you know, I don't write with Pelican medium nibs. It's just too wide for my daily writing, but it feels so good. And the flex is so killer that I'm going to make this into something I will use on a regular basis because it's that nice of a pen. I will say like, sometimes it gives me a little bit of trouble. Um, with the way that I write, sometimes it can take a minute to start up. Like if I change from like, because I change quite a lot the the way that I'm holding the pen from like over mm-hmm. to underwriting. And sometimes I'm writing like my lines start left to right. Sometimes they start up mm-hmm. to down. It's a bit peculiar. And I find that sometimes if I change, it can take a minute for the pen to kind of catch up to me, which is kind of weird. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But it's a minor issue, but it is there. Yeah. And just, just for new listeners, Mike is left-handed. So especially when you're writing with something like a flex pen, it's a different feel and a different uh, movement than maybe some right-handers are used to. So that's uh, that's what you're referring to there. So yeah, I can see that for sure. But I, I mean, it's a wonderful pen. I, I'm glad I have it. And I actually want to play around with this more. So I, I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to get some work done on it because it, I enjoy using that so, that so much. Good. So you put down kind of the most interesting product that you picked up on the tour. And let's be honest, we got a lot of products Mm -hmm. (laughs) on this trip, but I wanted to put down my most unique favorite product so far. And it's the superior labor goods that I ended up with. So I bought the a five size portfolio is what they call it. And then Liz gifted us um, all the wallet case, the pin and wallet case, I should say. I think the pen and wallet case might be more functional than the A5 case. Like it's a real interesting format. It reminds me, it's essentially kind of like the leather version of the Tallulah. You know, it's a little bit, it's a three pin slot width instead of two, but the format is, you know, narrow and small and pocketable. Not like back. I don't want to carry it in my back pocket. Like I actually saw one of the wonder pens employees carrying it in their back pocket. Like, but it's going to fit in so many small places. And I've been able to figure out how to use it more than my big one so far. I think I'll end up in the long run enjoying the A5 size one more, but I feel like I've figured out the pen and wallet size one for now because it has three defined pen slots on the inside. It's got two like credit card pockets on the inside, which I put like my business cards in. Then it's got another little pocket behind it, which I put index cards in. Then the front pocket holds a three and a half by five and a half notebook in it. So I can put that in there and it's kind of an all in one pen and wallet combo. It's really well designed. The a five one doesn't have any pin storage on the interior. Um, these are the zippers of the cases, by the way, if you can hear that, um, on, on the, on the podcast, just, I just wanted to clear that up. Um, but on the outside, they have like a pen slot and either a larger pen slot or a paper, paper notebook slot. It holds A5 notebook on the interior. Then it has a large pocket in the back for more thinner paper goods or looser materials, things like that. I want to use this as kind of my journaling um, setup, but it's I can't fit everything in it. So I'm trying to figure out what I want to carry in this case. Um, like I said, I'm actually having a harder time and this is the product I really wanted to try first, 
now that I have both of them together, I'm having an easier time with the smaller product than the bigger product. But the bigger product is more like a almost like a clutch size or a satchel size that you'll just carry in your hand. It's really, I mean, they're obviously really well built. So, um, yeah, though you will be hearing me talk about these more because they're kind of outliers for how I use things and how I carry things. So I just wanted to throw that out there that I've been really pleased with what I see so far and I'm still trying to figure it out. That's the way, that's the way it kind of, it's kind of got me right now. So working on it, Mike. Yeah. I find myself very taken by the quality of the product, but I just haven't worked out what I want to do with it yet. Like the the superior labor stuff. So um, it's expensive. Like this is not a purchase you want to go in probably blindly. It's because it is expensive and it's a little bit of a unique carrying system. So think about how you're going to use it. Um, think about it if it fits your style. Just because, you know, I'd, I'd hate you to pay for you to spend all that money and go, eh, I can't really use it. So um, so I'll be talking about how I've how I've used mine and how they've kind of gotten in the workflow as as we go through the years. Sounds good to me. I had another line item in here. This one caught me not off guard, but it's more of a reboot of an old pen. The Muji .25 black gel ink pen. So at Muji, when they have all these gel pens on display, they have groupings of barrel types. And within those groupings of barrel types are the types of pens that they relate to for us pen addicts so there's one style of pen that has the uni gel refill and there's another style of pen that has a zebra clip refill the only 0.25 gel ink pens they have there are actually the pentel sleechy refills in these barrels and i forgot how good that 0.25 sleechy is it's the most consistent finest micro gel ink pen out there and the reason why it never got a lot of love ever since it's been launched is because those stock barrel like Pentel sells it in is not good. It's like really skinny. The ridges on the barrel are not very comfortable, like in the grip section. But everyone loved the refill. I remember when they came out, how much people said that they love the refill. Is there another barrel they can go into? And there really wasn't many options at the time. The one that was good was called the Pentel Hybrid Technica, which was hard to find and you know just came in a couple colors, but you could it was a more normal size barrel refill. This Muji pen has a great size refill. It's like a, essentially a hex barrel, kind of a matte satiny finish. It's really comfortable to hold and it made me just fall in love with that 0.25 slitchy refill again. It's just pitch black. It's very consistent, way more consistent than like the high tech C, way less scratchy than the Signo DX. So it's kind of the best. If you're looking for a really, really micro gel ink pen that's gonna be that's gonna perform up to kind of what you expect, as opposed to something dry and scratchy, like a lot of these are, this this Muji 0.25, um, it, it improves everything that the uh that the Pentel Sleechy is. And uh Pentel should be sad that they didn't do this first. It's a sick burn. <laughs> I don't mean it. I'll I mean I do mean it. I've I've gotten in trouble about it before, but I mean it just is. It's it's a soup it's a superior refill. It just comes in a bad format. Not anymore, Michael. Not anymore. 
Today's show is brought to you by our friends over at Away. Away has the perfect gift for everybody on your holiday list this season. They make smart premium suitcases so your luggage won't have to cost any more than your plane ticket. And what do you need the most when you're traveling? More battery. When you buy an Away suitcase, you can charge all your devices while you travel. Both sizes of the carry-on feature USB ports with batteries large enough to charge your phone five times from a single charge. You can go to awaytravel.com slash penaddict right now and you can browse Away's line of suitcases. They all feature German premium polycarbonate, which is unrivaled in strength and impact resistance whilst remaining lightweight. They have over 10 colors and five sizes. They had the carry-on, the bigger carry-on, the medium, the large, and the kids carry-on. Um, I noticed because uh, I, 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 saw, I saw on Instagram uh, that they have a couple of really cool new limited edition colors right now, these iridescent ones, which are very exciting. I'm finding myself tempted, and you're going to end up with just like <laughs> like closets full of away suitcases at this point. Um, I bought these wonderful stickers uh, at CW Pencils, which I've decorated my aluminium away case with, which is wonderful. And also, you know, we're talking about um, buying these things as gifts. Yeah, great gift. It's a very useful but technically savvy gift. It has a bunch of great features like the compression system, the four spinner wheels, 360-degree spinner wheels. They have TSA locks. They have removable washable laundry bags. So they're full of features which make them exciting gifts for people. But also, these, the holiday season brings with it a lot of personal travel to going to meet and see friends and family. So maybe now is the perfect time to uh, take an upgrade on your luggage game. Away believe in the quality of their products. They offer a lifetime guarantee on them because of it. If anything breaks, they will fix or replace it for life. And they have a 100-day trial with a no-questions-asked return policy with free shipping on any order within the lower 48 states of the United States of America. Because this season, everyone wants to get away. You should find out more at awaytravel.com slash penaddict. And if you use the code penaddict to check out, you'll get $20 off any of their suitcases. That's awaytravel.com slash penaddict and the code penaddict for $20 off. Our thanks to Away for their support of this show and Relay FM. Let me just say, I put the strength and durability of the large Away suitcase to the test on this trip. So I even on the way home, I was over the limit, but they let me slide. It, it was 51 and a half pounds on the way home. Wow. And uh, she said, I'll, I'll let it go. I'll just put the heavy tag on there. I'm not going to charge you. I was like, thank you very much. But uh, man, that, that I put that thing through the New York, Toronto, Atlanta round trip ringer, and it held up like a champ. Very, it's very, very good stuff. All right, so... It is that time again. Top five pens mm. of twenty eighteen. You just published the update to your list. I will ask you, like, is there a specific time of the year that you are targeting, or is it just kind of like some point around the end of the year that you go for the update? No, it's usually been like around September, and uh-huh. then I I started getting when I didn't publish it in September. Like the, all the emails started coming. It's like, where's the update? So a couple of years ago, I used to update it twice a year. And then I realized there were a lot fewer changes over the years than I expected. So I moved it to once a year and tried to do it around that September time frame. Um, no particular reason other than that seemed like to be a good time to to bring it out. And uh, I was just a little bit further behind this year. Um, but I think probably a lot of it is because there wasn't a lot that changed. So, you know, and uh, I think that's what we'll talk about today. Yeah, definitely. So, 
I want to actually do something this time where we run through each category and we run through mm-hmm. the uh, the awarded stationary items. Um, mm-hmm. And then we can kind of stop to talk about any of them in more detail where it feels necessary. But I wanted to 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 understand what the kind of high-level changes are. So are there any kind of new areas that you focused on this time? The biggest change was probably like the fountain pens in the 100 to $200 range. Like all the low-end stuff is pretty locked in, like your basic gel ink pens, your pens at the store shelf, um, your pencils, you know, all the inexpensive stuff. There hasn't been a very much change in that realm, I think. But I did make a stand in the fountain pen 100 to 200 dollar range by putting the platinum 3776 at the top of the list so um you know one of the things that i said about this list is it didn't change a lot year over year and i'm not just going to change for change's sake right Mm -hmm. if it's been you know i've been doing this it'll be 11 years this month and you get a feel for the products, you get a feel for the product category, you understand what the landscape is in each of those categories, and sometimes it just is what it is. Like, things don't change every year. Like, gel ink pens don't necessarily change each year. Uniball or Pilot are not coming out with something every year that's going to shake up the list. Like, the most recent one would be something like the Pilot Juice. You know, that was a new pen like three years ago, and it made the list. Pilot hasn't done anything interesting since then. Uniball hasn't done anything interesting since then. But that doesn't mean that the pens that they currently have on the market aren't still the best. So I'm not going to do a top five what's the new hype train pen or pencil just to change it around. I'm going to just go with what I think are the most solid pens. Um... I also had a change in the top five fountain pens under $50, which we'll talk about too. So, and these are based around things I would recommend. You know, I made it clear that this is not necessarily my personal top five list. Like my personal list would look different than this. So, and it's, it's hard to like cover every category, despite, I don't even know how many categories I have. It's gotta be at least a dozen or 15 even. And there's still like categories we could mix in there and and do things like that. But, you know, it's it gets easier and harder every year because I think people would like to see more change in it. But sometimes it just is. Like, there's no better pen than the Jetstream for someone who doesn't know anything about pens to walk in a store, buy a pen, and have an enjoyable writing experience like those kind of things kind of stay the same. So there's definitely a little bit more movement in the fountain pen categories than like the stock basic pen categories. So it's, it's hard in that I actually, I would love to see like huge shakeups in the ballpoint pen category. It's just not going to happen really. It's like, I, yeah, I, I, it's, it's a, it's an interesting position where I feel like it's kind of locked in for the most part. So, and, and no one's coming out with anything crazy innovative that's going to change a lot of these lists so 
All right, so let's jump into it. We're going to start with the top five micro gel ink pens. I'm going to go with all of these from five to one. And Brad, if you want to stop me to talk about any of them and break it out a little bit more, we can do that. Uh, It's probably worth at least we touch on each uh, number one pick. So like, why is it the number one pick? Um, and yep. we can we can kind of go on from there. So top five micro gel ink pens. And at five is the Pilot Hi-Tech C 0.3 millimeter. Is a 0.3 millimeter the, the, the most micro, or is it just the one that you feel is best to get that? They have a 0.25. That's the most micro. It's not very good. Okay. The 0.4s and 0.5s don't write as well as the their competition higher in the list but the point three writes better than anyone else's point three okay makes sense the pilot juice point three eight millimeter the uniball signo 307 the zebra zebra sarasa clip 0.4 millimeter <laughs> in at number two and the number one micro gelling pen is the uniball signo dx point three eight millimeter yeah so a lot of the i'd say these top four are almost interchangeable People will have their favorites from those four pins, and I wouldn't argue against any of them, right? They're all really, really good options for something that's sub 0.5 millimeter, and that's what the this category is. This is like your 0.4 millimeters and lower gel ink pens, which was kind of what this blog was built on way back in the day. This is what I focused on. And for years, the DX has been at the top of the list. The Pilot Hi-Tech C has been up there before but it's never been consistent enough for me to recommend it to most people. You know, you have to recommend that pen with a caveat that it might be a little bit finicky. The DX, you never have to. Um, the Sarasa is only second because it's a little bit scratchier than the DX, and that's just the style of tip that Zebra uses. It's a, it's a little bit more scratchier. Some people like that. Some people don't. Yeah. Um, and then the Signo 307 is kind of the main line of the DX, that's kind of more available and they have them in 0.38. And then the juice, I mean, the juice is just a fantastic pen. It's way better style than the G2 and it's been more consistent over the years, the past few years than the G2. So I use that and recommend it a lot. So we'll move on to top five pens in the store. And I'm assuming this means like big box retailers, office retailers, that sort of stuff. Exactly. You know, walk into a store and this is what you're going to see on the shelf, like a grocery store, office supply store, just like you said, big box store. Yep. So this starts with the Sharpie pen uh, and you note that it would be number one if it was more durable. Sharpie pen's a great pen. Um, it's yep. a really fun pen, but yeah, it's... What about the the aluminum one though? You just can't make it number one. It's just not going to be... the. I'm never going to recommend it more than some of these other pens because it's going to get destroyed quicker than any of these, right? Right, right, right. I understand that. Um, the Pentel Energel is in at number four. Then we go with the Uniball Sino DX.38 millimeter and the Uniball Sino 307. So they're both uh, making another mm-hmm. appearance. And then mm-hmm. at number one, as you mentioned earlier, the Uniball Jetstream. And whilst the Jetstream isn't for me specifically, I understand why it's at that list. Yeah, it's my most recommended pen overall from like emails I get about people who just want a basic pen to do their help them in their daily lives and that's going to work well and it's always the Jetstream. The Sig the Signo 307 
used to not have the DX as competition, and I flip-flopped them in this category because they're more available in the stores. The 307 is. The DX just started. I didn't have it on the list last year, but now that they've started to show up on store shelves and they've stayed there over a year now, I felt comfortable putting them in there that if you can run across them, they're a great buy. But they're... they. The weird thing about what Uniball has done for the U.S. market is they put this DX out in like an eight-pack of non-standard colors, so you just can't go get black or red or blue like you can in the Signo 307, so that's why there's a little bit of difference in that category, but it's equally as nice. So we move on to the top five fountain pens under $50. It starts at the Platinum Preppy. Then at number four is the Caveco Sport. Number three is the Lamy Safari. Number two is the Pilot Metropolitan. Number one is the Twisby Eco. Mm. So I will ask you, mm-hmm. what about the Twisby Go? It's too soon. Okay. It needs more time. I need more time with that. And I actually put that in the notes section at the bottom. And actually the notes section for this one is very important. So I'm going to read that real quick. If this were the top five top fountain pens for beginners list, the Pilot Metro, t- Metropolitan would have held the top spot. The Eco is a better pen. Give me another year with the Twisby Go, and it may crack the list too. For fun times or your child's first fountain pen, don't sleep on the Pilot Kakuna. So this is an awesome category. Of it's a pens. controversial so- category. I think a lot of people have a lot of opinions about this, including me. Like I would slightly rearrange uh, what you've got here. I mean, I would put. I would put the go in. I don't. I probably will put it in at number five. Maybe mm-hmm. we keep the Caveco at four. Metropolitan three, Safari two, Eco one is where I would go with mm-hmm. this one. Okay. So last year I had the Metropolitan at the top of the list, and I've spent pretty much all year using a Twisby Eco, and just love how that pen performs and how it feels. And it's, it's been very, it's been a durable performer all year. And if I was telling someone who wasn't using their first fountain pen, if I'm just recommend, if someone says, you know, I've started in fountain pens, I like fountain pens. I want to try something. And my price point is under $50. I'm going to tell them the eco every time. Like the metropolitan's an option there. But I really think the Metropolitan is kind of like the beginner fountain pen. And there's nothing wrong with that. And you might buy the Metropolitan and love it and never buy another fountain pen in your life. That's why, I mean, it's number two on the list. It was number one last year. I think the Eco's just a better pen. It has the piston filling system. It feels good. It looks good. The nibs are amazing. I I had a tough time not putting it at number one. I think it's one of my most recommended pens like outside of the jet stream for people um, looking for like their first kind of step up pen. Like they might've tried the platinum preppity or the pilot varsity or have some other, you know, random fountain pen they've, they found and they enjoy fountain pens. I would choose the eco eco over the metropolitan for that category. All right. So next up we have the top five fountain pens in the 50 to $100 range. Start at number five with the Lamy Ion, which is a pen that I've mostly slept on. I think I I, I have no real opinion about the Ion. Uh, mm-hmm. The Faber Castell Ambition, which is something I'm mm-hmm. not sure I'd ever heard of until right now. So I'm clicking mm-hmm. the link. Okay. Yeah, it was on the list last year. Okay, this is a really good pen. It's styled in a way that I don't enjoy. Like it's not for me. Like I look at that and it doesn't work for me. It has a weird grip section. Yeah, the Lamy Studio. 
the Kaveco AL Sport, and the Twisby 580 AL. This is my least favorite category on the page. I was going to say, like, this one does nothing for me. <laughs> I prefer cheap fountain pens or expensive fountain pens, or like, you know, like over 100. Uh, the 50 to 100 doesn't really do it for me anymore. I'm going to read my note here for this category. If I had my druthers, this category wouldn't exist. The only pen even remotely interesting to me is the Kaveco AL Sport. I'd be fine spending down or spending up and skipping this range completely. Yeah. This this category exists as the graduation gift category. Yep. That's why it exists because mm-hmm. I get I need a recommendation in this range a lot of times. More than even the next category, which is the yep. next step up in price. Because it's this like category, the stuff is happening over 100. The fun stuff is happening below 50. Mm-hmm. Yep. So that's exactly what this is. This is a graduation gift category, which usually ends up being the Lamy Studio. So yes. even though that's not my number one, like to answer the, the people lay out the questions about what they want, it ends up pointing to like the Lamy Studio. Out of this list, regularly, I only use the AL Sport because I love that pen. So that's where, like, the personal recommendation doesn't really jive with the list, right? So for me personally, it's Kaveco AL Sport in this range and probably nothing else. But, you know, truth is the Twisby 580 is a good option depending on your style and the graduation gift, you know, you want to look at the Lamy Studio, the Faber-Castell Ambition, and then maybe the Lamy Ion, which isn't for everybody. Like, I'd recommend the Studio over the Lion probably to most people who are going into this category. Like you said, it's the gift category. It's it's my least favorite category on this page. It's not enjoyable to discuss even. <laughs> Top five fountain pens, $100 to $200. We start in at number five with the Pelican M205. We go to the Lamy 2000. The Pilot Vanishing Point, they're interesting to put back and back. I assume kind of, funnily enough, like the Lamy Safari and Pilot Metropolitan, people would interchange those. I mean, I would yeah. I would put the 2000 above the Vanishing Point. Um, the yeah. Sailor 1911 Standard, and I'm going to read your note here. You say, I'm calling an audible. The 1911 Standard is better than the Pro Gear Slim. I think I'm going to have to disagree with you on that one. And my reasoning is not in form factor, but in design. Like, you can mm-hmm. get way more fun slim, progress slims than you can 1911 standards. Right. So you want to read the last one, and then I'll go through it all? Yep. Platinum 3776 at number one. Yeah. So this is this is the main fountain pen category, I think, for my recommendations. Um... I had the Sailor Pro Gear number one last year, and I love that pen. I think the 1911 is a better pen to recommend to people. Do you I mean think the Slim? Fits. You said the Pro Gear. You meant uh, the Slim? I meant the Pro Gear Slim. Yep. So the 1911 standard is, I think, fitting more people's hand and style Completely and feel agree of what they right? expectation. So mm-hmm. that's what this list is. This is a recommendations this is not brad's favorite fountain pens in the 100 to 200 category i don't think a single one of these would be on my personal list you know maybe the first two maybe the first two the next the vanishing point the 2000 and the m205 would not make my personal list right 
but I'm also a more experienced shopper. Yeah. I know where to go look for things that fit my needs. I know what custom makers make cool stuff in this range. But if I'm telling someone who's emailing me what to buy or someone who's reading the blog what to buy that they're going to have the best experience with, be able to locate and purchase the pen that most fits their needs, these are the ones I'm going with. Let me ask you, though, right? What mm-hmm. I mean, I understand that like you've kind of changed your mind on that distinction between the 1911 and the Slim, but why would the Slim still not stay on the list, even at a lower position? I, I think they're close enough to that you're, you're, have to make a okay. stand on one. Okay. I understand that. That makes sense. They're practically the same thing. If you say, well, I like the flat ends on the Slim better, you're going to get a great pen, right? Yeah. But if I'm telling someone like what I what might fit their needs based on their questions to me, I'm going to say look at the 1911 first. Mm, okay. So and then see what you like. If you don't like that style, hey, by the way, this is almost exactly the same pen, which it really is, right? It's just a shape difference. But platinum wasn't first until this year. But their nibs are so consistent. Their price points are extremely reasonable for a gold nib pen. I I almost think like it's like for my recommendations in this category, it's like I start with platinum as much as I love sailor and use my sailors more. I think platinum gives the writing experience that's the best in this category. So that's ends up being the one I want to recommend. So you know, you get into this is this area has like the biggest variance in it too, right? So once you're once you're past like whatever pens I would recommend to you, you're now into a whole world of pens that you can customize to your liking in this price point, right? That's a that's a that's a whole another topic, you know, when you get into like Edison pens or Franklin Christoph or you know Jonathan Brooks, like these don't play into any of the recommendation stuff just because they're not widely available to many of my readers. You know, if someone says they're looking for something specific, you know, I recommend those pens all the time, but just for your average user or people who are just getting into this, you know, that's what I look at these lists from. So something like the 3776 is going to get just a ton of recommendations from me. All right. So we move into the top five fountain pens in the 200 to $500 range. We start with the Pelican Suveron 600, which is a okay. Like that's interesting. Uh, <laughs> so I don't really, again, it's like it's not really something I don't think we touch on very much. Um, but there it is: the Aurora Optima, the Pilot Custom 912, the Sailor Pro Gear, the regular Pro Gear, and the Pilot Custom 823. Now, I would say this is a very difficult category, Brad, because that $200 to $500 price range has a lot of options that are extremely varied. Yeah, it's like, I almost don't want to put this on here because it's kind of pointless. Because if you're spending this much money, you know, it's you kind of know what you're looking for. And there's so many different fits for your style. There's so many different places you can shop for different pricing. Um, You know, there's just so much variance in this 
I almost felt like I kind of had to put it, but I rarely use this range for anything. Like I don't get asked much about this category, to be honest. And, you know, people, I would get asked like, like 300 seems, $300 seems to be kind of like a hard barrier for 95% of the people that are looking for recommendations. That's where something like the 823 and the pro gear and the 912 come in. It's like, there's a line after that where almost no one's asking me, Hey, can you recommend a $500 fountain pen to me? Because at that point they don't need my recommendation. They figured out what they want. So mm-hmm. they're going to buy things that fit their style and needs, right? So people maybe that want to spend $300 and get something nice, maybe still need help trying to figure those things out. Once you get past that, it's like all bets are off. It's like, you know what you want past that. That's why I don't get asked a lot about this category because, you know, it should really, I should probably just make it a 200 to $300 category, to be honest, because after that, you, I feel like, you know what you want. Yeah. If you're spending that much money, you've put in the time, you've put in the research, you know, you've asked around, you know, you've gotten feedback from a lot of people and you kind of know what you want. Anything after like that $300 price point, it's super personal. Like my recommendation is going to hold a lot less weight than it does for something on a lower price tier, I believe. All right. So shall we... We should move on. The next, we start to take a break from fountain pens now. Uh, so should we take an actual break? What about that? Yeah, let's take a break. We have fountain pen inks to cover, but um, yeah, fountain pens, I think we're done. Let's take a break. So let's talk about a place that you could buy a bunch of this stuff if you wanted to, and that is over at Pen Chalet. They have so many of these options in stock because they sell all of their favorite brands, and they do fountain pens and ballpoints and mechanical pencils and rollerballs. They do ink. They do carrying cases. They do refills and converters and pen holders and just everything. They're always running great discounts. They have closeout specials every two weeks, and Pen Chalet believe in super fast and reliable customer service. They have free shipping on orders of over $50 in the United States, but they also sell internationally with very reasonable shipping rates too. Pen Chalet has low prices on high-quality pens, and they offer a 100% satisfaction guarantee. So, go to penchalet.com, P-E-N-C-H-A-L-E-T.com, and click the podcast link at the top of the website and enter the password PENADDICT for this week's special offer and to get yourself a code that, you will, that you'll be able to then use to save on 10% on anything. You'll be able to get 10% discount on anything at Pen Chalet with that code that's available to you. Now, Brad, there's a bunch of exciting things over at Pen Chalet uh, this week that Ron has put up for us. So first off, are the Leuchtturm A6 mm-hmm. soft cover and hardcover notebooks, which mm-hmm. are super high quality paper. They're on my list here later on. The Platinum 3776 is on this list. There's a bunch of Lamy ballpoints and the Scribble, which is a really cool pen. I should probably get one day. I've had the uh, the pencil variety. The Lamy 2000 is on here, Mike. All of the all of the pens on the list are over at penchalet.com. They have so much wonderful stuff, as they always do. Um, and they really do believe in getting you the best service that they can. Uh, they they do free shipping, as I say, and orders of $50 in the U.S. They have great shipping rates, 100% satisfaction guarantee. Go to penchalet.com, click the podcast link at the top of the website, enter the password penaddict, and you can get your hands on these wonderful deals. So thanks to Penchalet for their continued support of this show and Relay FM. 
All right, so should we move on? We're moving into inks now with the top mm-hmm. five fountain pen ink brands, which is a big, this is a big one. Number five, <laughs> Mont Blanc. Number four, P.W. Ackerman. Ackerman. Number three, Robert Oster. Number two, Pilot Hiroshizuku. And number one, Sailor. Oster's got a no pretty change. high ranking on this. I still maintain that. Yeah. Uh, with the yeah, amount no of time from that Oster's been around, I think that that is, even to keep that ranking, I think is very, very strong. I think it shows a good strength there. Yeah, I just the variety that Oster offers over someone like Ackermann, who has kind of... They, they did expand the lineup last year with the Dutch Masters editions, but the variety Oster has, I just think, puts them a tick above. But this this is... I don't want to say it's an impossible list, but this is a particular list, right? This could be... I could name 15 brands that are amazing, that I love practically equally. So... Sailor's my favorite. It's my go-to for all kinds of inks and all kinds of colors. I just enjoy the performance. It might change the more I see what they're going to do with this price point. It might not be my most recommended ink anymore. That might That's another point in Robert Oster's favor, right? They could be the number one ink brand in this list in a year's time. Um. Roshizuku actually went the other way on price. That's why they've kind of held strong at number two, even though they don't have a lot of new stuff in their product lineup. Their colors kind of hit every color you want across the board, and their prices actually went down. And the properties of those inks, so good, like the dry time and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, they right? behave. Yeah, very, very good ink. Yeah, and that's where ink recommendations come in. I'm pretty safe on ink recommendations. You know, I don't recommend a lot of wild, wild stuff just because a lot of people are wanting, you know, they've just bought, you know, a basic black ink from Lamy and want to try something else. So I generally go pretty safe. That's why you're not seeing, you know, like noodlers or you're not seeing iron gall inks or you're not seeing all these other things that I use regularly on a list like this. Oster at number three, I just think the quality, the price, and the colors, the options that you have are that being endless. Uh, I, I just think that it's, I think it's a deserved position. Um, Ackermann is actually looking better and better the way ink prices have changed recently with Sailor. I could see Ackermann with their 60 milliliter bottles and the fancy bottles at their price point, which has not risen compared to Sailor, even moving up this list. So it's kind of like Oroshizuku, where you have approximately 30 ink colors that are really good. And that's just where they are. And then Mont Blanc continues to do well because the quality is extraordinarily high and the price point is shockingly good. So... Sailor's going to have some competition for this over the next year. I'm interested to see what this next year holds for Sailor in if their price point holds to where I can continue to recommend them because we're about at that point where some of their previous inks that I've loved so much are not so available anymore. So they're Mm -hmm. about to have a tipping point in them. But like I said, this list could be endless. Like Diamine could be on this list. Diatramentis could be on this list. The, some of the smaller ink makers could be on this list. So it's 
the 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 ink world is pretty good right now. There's a million good makers of ink, and nine times out of ten, if you something catches your eye, you're gonna and you buy it, you're gonna have a good experience with it. So there's a few that are like off the list, um, like that I never recommend, like Private Reserve, because you know they tend to have some sketchy performance issues and issues with the pen. That. Outside of that, I mean, there's there's just a ton of good inks right now. Even the basic inks, you know, your basic blues and blacks, just yep. your store brand inks or your Waterman inks. Like Waterman Mysterious Blue is one of my favorite inks. Like I don't recommend Waterman because the variety is not there, but man, it's such a good, such a good ink. Top five plastic tip pens. Now, if that doesn't make sense to you, it will make mm. sense to you when I read what the pens are. Number five is the <laughs> Sharpie pen. Number four is the Statler pigment liner. Number three is the Sakura Pigma Micron. Number two is the Copic Multiliner SP. And number one is the Kuratake Zig Cartoonist Mangaka. I think it wins purely on name alone, but you name can alone. tell me why it's better uh, than the others. It's a... It's a st- standout tip performance so that's one of the biggest drivers of quality in this category because these are your artist pens your drawing pens that people you know see with like felt tips or plastic tips what these are they're generally plastic tip pens some have metal inserts around in the inside of those tips to make them more durable some don't (laughs) but this is a category along with micro gel pens that are my two favorite categories and there's really no change in here i don't want to say this is solved because there's actually more variety in this category than in the gel pens that they um you know continually other companies are trying new things in this market none of them have beaten any of these like these are like the core standbys of this market but there are competitors out there that are trying to do things um around here but this is I don't know. This is one of my most used categories. So I have pretty strong opinions about these plastic tip pens. So these are, these are all great. You can't go wrong with any of these. All right. So we move now into the top five paper brands. We start in at number five with Lich Term 1917, which is, you know, the upgrade to the Moleskine. Uh, mm-hmm. Number four is Maruman. Then number three is Midori. Two is Apica. Apica. Why do Apica, what I, is that? I call it Apica, but I I mean it's Apica paper. It's oh, Japanese I know paper these brand. ones. I know these ones. Yeah, yeah. I had to take. A, I had to click through on the link to to see the design. It's like, yeah, okay, I know what those are. And number one is Rodia. Yeah, it's this is a category I'd like to see change. I I I thought about just mixing it up just because, but Rodia is such quality. And what really sets them apart are the options that they have and the availability that they have. So it's hard not to put them at number one. The Apica and Midori and Mormon, so like two, three, and four, those are interchangeable, really. They're they're in the Japanese paper category, right? That we talked about like my paper tiers, you know, a, a month or so ago. All of these are in that Japanese high quality, consistent paper category, good styles, good performance, lots of different formats, and you can just kind of get a good paper there if you're looking for something not Rhodia. And then Lloyd's term after that, it's just so good and consistent. It works for 
a huge variety of pens. It may not be the perfect fountain pen paper for your big wet fountain pens, but for majority of people, it's going to be a really, really good option. So, you know, these are, these are, I don't know, this is a category that could expand or contract in, in all kinds of weird ways. So yeah, it's, it's an interesting category because it's endless. Like, you know, some brands you can't even put in there, you know, that, because they don't have as many options. Some, you know, there's all these Tomoe River paper options that there's no one specific brand that, you know, you could recommend and, and what I even recommend because it's really kind of only good with fountain pens. So mm-hmm. it's all kinds of different things. Tough top, category. Top five multi-pens. This feels like a tougher category, honestly. <laughs> Number five is the Unibor Jetstream. Number four is the Lamy 2000. Number three is the Zebra Charbo X. Number two is the Unistyle Fit. Number one is the Pilot Hi-Tech C Colito. This is actually a pretty easy category because there's kind of only two choices. It's the Colito or the Style Fit, and that's just taste preference. You know, Do you like the style of one barrel? Do you like the style of one refill? Do you like a different color that one of them maybe has? Like, those two are essentially interchangeable. And then everything else is an afterthought in this category. The Zebra Strabo X is extraordinarily expensive. The Lamy 2000 is very expensive. And the Jetstream is a ballpoint multi-pen that most people like gel multi-pens because you can get more color variety. So it's a little bit of a weird category that there's almost not five great options. Like I'm super comfortable with one or two in any order. And then after that is a question mark of what you're trying to accomplish with your multi-pen purchase. You know, do you need, you want something nicer? Do you want to use a particular D1 refill that the Sharbo or Lamy fits in a multi-pen? You know, do you need the properties of the jet stream but if you're just looking for a good quality gel ink multi-pen the Kaleido and the style fit are no-brainers they're fantastic so we move into the top five ballpoint pens the Bic mm-hmm. Crystal in at number five that is yeah buddy big surprise to me number four the Fisher Space Pen number three is the Lamy 2000 number two is the Pilot Acroball 0.7 millimeter and the Uniball Jetstream 0.7 millimeter is in at number one why does the Bit Crystal find its way onto this list? Is it purely because of proliferation? No, because it's good. Okay. It's a it's a good writer. When you when I use a Bit Crystal, I enjoy it. I think it's a quality writing experience, and it's not just because of you know history or aura about it. You know, like I said in the notes, I could put the Parker Jotter there. I could put the Cron Dash eight forty nine there. I could put, I mean, ballpoint pens are infinitely available. Again, it's a weird recommendation category because it's kind of the jet stream. I think you're either buying the jet stream or you don't really need me, (laughs) you know, because, you know, you're just getting into something that's a style preference um, for a lot of these things, you know. The Acroball has kind of gone down in availability. It's been a very popular store shelf pen, and I'm not seeing it as much, so I'm wondering what's happening there. It's definitely the same quality as the Jetstream, but I don't ever recommend it because it's not as readily available. Lamy 2000 is where you get to if you enjoy ballpoint pens and want something nicer to put them in. I was really impressed with the Lamy 2000 ballpoint. I didn't think I would be. 
I thoroughly enjoy it. Same with the Fisher Space Pen. I enjoy that pen more than I ever thought I would. And the Big Crystal, I just want to have because it's good. Like, I like it. I like it better than the Parker Jotter. You know, but there's all kinds of oddities and one-offs that can go in this category because it's so prolific in the marketplace. So it's kind of jet streamer bust, really, but there are some cool options. And I use ballpoint pens more than probably people think I use ballpoint pens. Like the Cron Dash 849 I use all the time. Hmm. Okay. Which doesn't make the list. Which probably should make the list. Probably ahead of the Lamy 2000, to be perfectly honest. So, something to think about as I relook at this. All right. So, should we move on? Yep. Top five liquid pen, liquid ink, aka rollerball pens. Number five is the Autographic Liner. Number four is the Morning Glory Mark III. Number three is the Uniball Vision Elite. Number two is the Pilot Precise V5. Number one is the Retro 51 Tornado. It's weird to put Retro 51 at the top of this, but a lot of times people are looking for something in the price range that retros hit. That's what we've always talked about them. Like they can find the precise V5 or the Uniball Vision Elite on their own at the store. But if they like those pins and want something more, then I point them to the Retro 51. Um, the last two on the list, the Morning Glory and the Autographic Liner shows that there's a dearth of available products to fill up this list. Like the Precise V5 and the Vision Elite are the kings of this list because there's not a lot of good liquid ink rollerball type pens. Um, the Tornado is just different than those. And so it's kind of a weird category to put those all in there together like that. But that's kind of how this category works out because there's not a lot of options. This isn't just, this isn't the most popular ink style anymore where 20 and 30 years ago, it used to be more popular. Okay. Yeah. I, I it's interesting to me, liquid ink, like why would you refer to it that way? Is it just because like the vision and elite and the precise, they're not rollables, right? They're like those needle points. Yeah, but it's still a rollerball tip. It's the ink consistent. It's the ink manufacturer. So gel right. ink, ballpoint ink, and liquid ink pens are all, all come in different. So if you use a Pilot Precise V5 on bad paper, it's going to bleed everywhere. Whereas if you use a Pilot Juice 0.5 millimeter, it's going to look awesome. Mm-hmm. Okay. So when I'm recommending things, I have to explain that. Here's why you choose or don't choose one of these inks. And if you're okay with that, whichever style you choose, you, you, you're you aware of this now. And like That's why this is not a popular category at all. That's why there's not a lot of great choices. Um, these are the pens that a lot of people will buy and put them on just any random sheet of paper and go, oh, this is terrible. Because they don't necessarily know what they're getting. Okay, that makes sense. But there's some that like the Pilot V series is one of the greatest pens ever made. It's extraordinarily popular. It's a great pen. So, I love it. Yeah. Like yeah. This, the the V five is like one of those pens that you can give to someone who doesn't really like pens and they're like, Oh, this is really nice. Or exactly. it is a pen that people that like pens but don't know how much they like pens tend to buy. Yep. Exactly. 
It, they're so. the kind of people that you give them a little push and they'll be a pen addict, right? Like, that's <laughs> yeah. where it goes. <laughs> All right, so now the top five machined pens. This is mm-hmm. basically Kickstarter land. Um, yeah. In the Ajoto pen, or Ajoto mm-hmm. the pen. It's just the Ajoto. Mm-hmm. It's what we know as the Ajoto. has known yeah. for a while. Yeah. The Big Eye Design T-I-Auto, or T-Auto, the Sunderland MK1, the Shown Design 01A, and the TI2 Techliner. These are typically, interestingly, why are all the names so difficult? I find that kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, that is funny. I don't know. I just look at this list and go, I don't know if I should even have this list. Like, I almost feel... I don't want to discount this list, but I also feel like it's meaningless as far as a recommendation goes because there's they one pin could just be diametrically opposite from the next pin. Just like the one and two in this list, the TI2 Techliner and the Shown Design pin could not be more different. So this is almost more of a guideline of, hey, you may want to look at these pins if you're looking for a different barrel for a certain refill. But I don't know that I could have, like, is it fair to rank them one through five because they really don't compare against each other at all. Like, I, yeah. I had, when I stared at this list, I almost ripped it right off the sheet just because I don't, it's almost pointless because everything is so different and so style-based and construction-based and materials-based and price point-based. There's no relating one to two or two to three in an efficient manner. So it's almost not worthwhile to continue with this list and I may just end up breaking it off. Um, I recommend pins like this all the time, but usually someone's coming with a very specific question and these are very specific pins and you can recommend something. So I don't know. I, I don't get a lot of use out of making this top five list. This specific one. This specific one. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost this, unnecessary. This one's tricky. It's a really tricky one. This feels this feels even more personal preferency than some of the others. So it's exactly, like, which is so why huge. I don't like it. Yeah. Yeah. And like my favorite one's not even on here, right? And which I would is, never recommend it. The pen type B. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Of like course. I never I never recommend that pen, but it's my favorite. Like I carry that pen. I mean, it's sitting here right now. Mm-hmm. You wanna hear it? I'm gonna do it, Mike. Thank you. You ready? Ready? Mm-hmm. Oh, that was that actually is very good. All right, I have a quick question for you. All right, you have like a top five machined pens. Mm-hmm. Why don't you do like a top five acrylics, like you know, like the crazy acrylic pens? Yeah, because really, this category should just be renamed to Kickstarter pens. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it, it, it is that sure. close. So there should also be a companies that make friggin' wild colors list yeah that's been that's been one of the challenges to have on this list like should franklin christoph edison jonathan brooks have their own list but when people kind of don't need a recommendation for that they like that's out kind of almost outside of the scope of this list like there comes a point where people do not need this list right when they've started to figure out their tastes and their likes and their dislikes, and they can kind of forge their own way. And that's when you're getting into those types of things. I mean, mm. how would I say Franklin Christoph is better than Edison and both of those are better than Brooks? And like, how would I put 
a, a, a number on those things that's saying one, two, three. They're so particular. I mean, it's just it's just a group of all great things, right? And you will pick based on your tastes because the varieties are huge. I it's I don't feel comfortable doing that type of recommendation. I don't know if I'm making sense saying that and I don't know if that I have the right words to explain it, but it's almost like if you're at that level of shopping, you don't need me necessarily to say one is better than the other. But we can have a discussion about here's what you like in a pen and let me tell you about these things and then you can find one that fits you, right? Yeah, always. So it's it's kind of, I've always found that to be pointless to rank those types of pens. And I say this as those are my most used pens. So. Yeah, I, you know. I feel like, I mean, I, I kind of feel like, you know, uh, that that category does deserve as much as the um, machined pens category, but it is verging way too much into the my personal favorites list because the yeah. actual utility of those pens tends not to change from one to the other, where at least mm-hmm. with the machine pens, there might be some difference in the utility. But effectively, all of the pens in that, like, I don't even know, the wonderful acrylics category, they're all much and much the same, right? Mm-hmm. You know, like, in, in they don't, they're all pens of caps, you know, and, and there can be yeah. differences to them. Um, and the body shapes can be slightly different, but they're all pretty much using the same nibs, right? With mm-hmm. maybe some tweaking. So, like, there isn't... I, I see the problem. It is way more a personal taste category, which is not what this list is all about, right? Right. Yeah, that's definitely a blog post. Here are my favorites. And you should do it. You should do yeah. it. Uh, yeah. Because I think people oh, would I'm, love to I'm not see opposed it. to that at all. I'm not opposed to that at all. I just don't know that that category is a good fit for I will also say I do think I do think that this page should include your personal top five because you are a taste maker, right? In mm-hmm. the world of pens. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people would value what does the guy behind the pen addict value in his pen experiences. Like I think that it would be perfectly valid to even at the very bottom put like these are my personal top five favorite pens right now. Mm-hmm. Like irrespective of price, irrespective of anything. It could be pens, pencils, the whole bag. But I think that you should put that in this list. I think it would be valuable to a lot of people. If anything, to help try and frame the rest of the list as well. Sure. That's an entire podcast of what I, of what I have to say on that. How long are we? We're like an hour and a half now, yeah. <laughs> an hour and fifteen. I have a lot to say about that topic. Just yeah, I I mean, <laughs> we either end now and I go on a rant, or we we continue with this list and pick that up next week because I have a lot to say about that. All right, you make a note I mean, in about a, in us a good doing. Way. No, 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 because it's interesting. You make a note about us doing it this week and uh, next week. And while you do that, 
let me talk about Casper. Casper are the company focused on sleep, dedicated to making you exceptionally comfortable one night at a time. You spend a third of your life sleeping. If you spent a third of your life doing anything, you'd want to make sure that it is the very best that it can possibly be. And that is why you need a Casper mattress in your home. Their mattresses are designed perfectly for humans. They engineer them to soothe and support your natural geometry, giving you all of the right support in all of the right places. Casper's combine multiple supportive memory foams to create a quality mattress with just the right sink and bounce. That is why they are so comfortable. Their mattresses are designed and developed in the US and their breathable design helps to regulate your body temperature throughout the night. They have over 20,000 reviews online with an average rating of 4.8 stars. Casper is becoming very quickly the internet's favorite mattress brand. You can be sure of your purchase of Casper's 100 night risk-free sleep on a trial. They will deliver a mattress to your door. The mattress of choosing would live to your door in a wonderfully small box. You can try it out on your bed with your own sheets in your own pajamas. And you can, you have a hundred nights to do this. And if for any reason after that time and during that time you don't like it, they have a hassle-free return policy as well. They really want you to be comfortable with the purchase, so they make it as risk-free as they possibly can. Uh, Brad, tell me something about your Casper mattress. <laughs> My Casper mattress got a makeover. Oh yeah, Casper. Yeah, Casper got new sheets, got new bedding, got new pillows. Got all the things because uh, our, our Casper mattress pay, plays a big part in our life, and it's getting ready to be holiday season here. So the Casper needs to be ready for all the guests that we're going to have over at the house. So Casper got a makeover. It's queen size mattress, so all your your normal queen size bedding and mm-hmm. and all the accoutrements that go with that. So uh, Casper's feeling pretty good right now in the guest room. Very, very nice indeed. You can get $50 towards select mattresses by going to casper.com slash penaddict and using penaddict at checkout. Terms and conditions apply. That is casper.com slash penaddict and the offer code penaddict $50 towards select mattress purchases. Our thanks to Casper for their support of this show and Relay FM. I think we have next week's entire episode in my head already. You've messed with me so much Good. right there with that with Excellent. that statement so i love that I, I have so much to say about this like that we should just we should just lay it all out there so stay tuned i hope that they do uh <laughs> top five mechanical pencils we start with the Ze- yeah. zebra del god no idea what that is uh, mm-hmm. The Uni Shift Pipe Lock, which is a really weird name for a core mechanical pencil. The Pentel Graph Gear 1000, the Uniball Kurutoga, and the Rotoring 600. I think I am going to focus on this category a lot in the next year because I love this category, and it needs some love, to be honest with you. I think the Rotoring is number one, and I don't think there's any competition I think I can adjust a lot of this list with some more testing. I think there are some options I'd like to consider. These are pretty safe, right? Um, the the Kurutoga is just widely available. It works great, and they have some different styles you can pick from. The Graph Gear 1000 is kind of a classic in the Rotring sense. Like if you're not a Rotring 600 person, you're usually a graph gear person. They kind of live in the same category. Um, the uni shift pipe lock is kind of my little pet pencil that I tend to recommend a lot to people because it's fun and different and about half the price of the Rotring, even though it's got different metals. Um, and the Dell guard's kind of a new uh, lead protection mechanism that Zebra's done in the past year, which is really good quality. 
I think there's even more that I could explore in here. I think the ones I put in the notes section, like the Pentel Sharp and the Pentel Carry, are both fantastic mechanical pencils that maybe deserve a spot in this list more so than some of the other ones. So I'm going to work on this category a little bit more. And Mike, maybe even the next category too. I want to just touch on the mechanical pencils for a second. I mean, because me and you was so, you know, steadfast on the Kurotoga for so many years. And the reason being, right, it's it's wonderful uh, system of the, the lead turning uh, inside of the barrel, keeping the line consistent. Just genius, genius. It all changes when you use a Rotring 600. And I can't even mm-hmm. tell you why. Mm-hmm. It doesn't do anything different to what a mechanical pencil should do. But everything it does is better than anybody else. Yes. And it doesn't I cannot explain it any better than that, but it is the standard bearer. Um it is what as you say, the mechanical pencil all others are measured by. Like I can't tell you why it's so good, but it is the best. Mm-hmm. Top yep. five wooden pencils. The Mitsubishi Office ninety eight fifty HB. Mm. The camel pencil HB, the Caran Dash Swiss Wood the Tombow Mono 100, and the Blackwing 602. I went into this top five list thinking that, oh, I've used a lot more wooden pencils in the past year. I'm going to have some changes in this list. And I didn't have a single one because I went through this list and looked at all the new pencils that I've tried over the past year, and none of them were better than any of these that I picked here. There's a lot that are close. There's a lot that are good. There's a lot that I could make a case for. These are really the best that I use and have been able to recommend them because they're very consistent in the way they perform and they're very consistent in their feel and the quality of all these. So... This is one of those lists that is my recommendations and is also my personal preferences. Like this list is everything I use and I went to go, like I've tried, I don't know, three dozen different pencils over the past year. And if I take one and say, okay, I'm going to compare this pencil that I've used to this top five list. And is it better than any of these? And none of them were. So I feel really good about this list. It doesn't mean it's not going to change over the next year. You know, maybe something I've missed that I haven't tried that I can recommend. But this is one of those lists that is 100% my taste is 100% my recommendations as well. So this is a good list. I'm very happy with this list. The top five most useful pens. <laughs> so this, before you read it, this was a fun list that someone <laughs> requested last year. I was like, you know what? That's a heck of a good idea for a list. So hmm. I, it's, it has no purpose necessarily other than I really enjoyed someone's recommendation. Todd, shout out to you if you're listening. I still remember who recommended this list. Um, I thought that is such a darn good idea that I want to put this on here. So it stays, Mike. It is an interesting one to me because, uh, okay, let me read it and I'll explain why. Uh, mm-hmm. The Sharpie Permanent Marker. The Uniball Jetstream 0.7 millimeters, the Sakura Pigma Micron, the Uniball Signo DX 0.38, and the Fisher Space Pen. The reason mm-hmm. this is interesting to me because when I read Useful, I was thinking of additional uses, 
was what I was thinking, mm-hmm. right? Because, gotcha. you know, like I figured it was like, I don't know, a pen with a ruler on the side or like a spirit <laughs> level or whatever. Right. Um, but so I understand five and one. Right, the Sharpie and the Fisher Space Pen makes perfect sense to me because mm-hmm. they are kind of they are fixed purpose pens, right? Where the Sharpie is to write fixed stuff on things permanently, and the Fisher Space Pen is to work even when pens shouldn't work. But I don't understand the Jetstream, the Pygma Micron, and the Sino DX in this list where they are and that kind of stuff. I don't get it because it's essentially a kit. So this is a almost a one of each type of usefulness so fisher space pen i mean that's the epitome of usefulness right same with sharpie permanent marker just like you said the dx micro gel ink pen it writes different and than every other pen on this list it has you know the good good ink qualities and and darkness and consistency and fineness the pigger micron allows you to gives you some drawing and sketching options um even though you can draw and sketch with any pen or any pencil it's a good variety to have in there the jet stream has the most secure ink technology in a pen to where it's basically fraud proof so you know it's just a all-around kit of pens that do things different than a lot of other pens that kind of all work together. Like it's essentially a one of each pen list. So no pencil in there, but I, I could throw in a mechanical pencil in there too. You know, that's, that's what this list was built around. It was like, if you have one of each of these pens, you're not really lacking for anything. All right. That makes sense. Okay. I get it. It's like, you could put this, you could wrap a bow around this stuff and give it to someone and be like, you've got everything you need. Like you're yep. good. Top five blue-black fountain pen inks. The Ackerman 8. Come on. Dieppe, Dein Waterblau. Dein Waterblau. Yeah. The we'll have to Aurora get out the recordings for this. And Klinger Salix. Mm-hmm. Is that, isn't that the ink that doesn't exist anymore? No. Okay. What was the one that doesn't exist anymore? You mixed your own or something. Oh, I mixed my own out of this, but it still exists. Okay. Yeah. Pilot, a- Pilot Blue-Black. Pirate Hiroshizuku, Shinkai, and the Sailor Blue Black. Mm-hmm. So, two new lists, which I've held off doing these lists um, for like super hyper specific colors for lots of reasons. But I figured the two colors I have the most experience with are blue, black, and orange. And, you know, I figured to add something new to this list. I've used enough of them to where I feel like I could rank them. So Sailor Blue Black and Oroshizuku Shinkai are the ones I use the most. Pilot Blue Black's up there too. Just for their consistency and ease of use and the way the colors look. They have good shading and good characteristics. You know, they're not too blue, they're not too black. They don't have other weird colors in them that you sometimes see. So I just enjoy a good blue-black ink as much as any other color, which it sounds like it could be a simple ink if you're not familiar with blue-black inks. It's like, well, I've got blue and I've got black. I'll just mix them together. But they have some interesting characteristics in these colors. I think there's some tradition in them that, uh, 
you know, also, you know, plays a little bit of role in why I personally enjoy them. So I figured I'd make a list out of them. So there it is. <laughs> I don't know what else to say about it. It's uh it's just a a, a quality blue black ink list. I feel like you're opening yourself up to a world of hurt. <laughs> Probably. I mean, I talk about pins on the internet. I, what else did I get? Mm, okay, but the pro- so here's the problem. So you also do orange inks, which we're going to get to in a minute. But uh, I think the problem is like you've done two colors, so uh-huh. why not all the colors? Event. Uh, you know no, what I mean? No, that's easy. That's easy because I don't have enough experience with green to say here's five really great green recommendations hmm. like okay. i mean I, I could but it's like there's so many colors i couldn't do that with that i'm i'm fine not committing to all the colors like green red brown even purple which i use a lot of purple i'm not gonna i don't know that i have five great purple recommendations i mean there's plenty of great purples but i could i could name i could pick two recommendations out of all these colors but not five like you know i've probably got 20 bottles of blue black ink and probably 12 or 15 orange so i feel like i i'm I'm pretty well versed in those two colors not so much the not too much the other ones so i'd be fine not doing them (laughs) i will hold fast on that let's go the last category we've made it everyone Mm -hmm. the top five orange fountain pen inks Mm mm-hmm Mont Blanc Lucky Orange. Love that ink. Oh, my God. Here's something crazy, right? So I'm using the Mont Blanc Lucky Orange in my Orangello, and mm-hmm. it's run out. It ran out of me the other day, so I need to, to fill it. I just haven't filled it. Um, and I picked up my Sailor 1911, which has... Uh, what does that have in it? It's not Fuyugaki. It's a brighter orange that I have doesn't matter but whatever because it doesn't really matter it was just like a different orange that i have it might be for yugaki in there i don't remember but i was surprised i was like oh this doesn't look bright enough and i thought it was really funny lucky orange is a i'm a big fan of that ink now mm-hmm. it is a very me, bright very very vivid before you read the rest of this list i actually had struggled putting that on there because it's a special edition i normally don't put special mm-hmm. editions on here this has been around for longer than i've seen any special edition so they either made a ton of it or it's not selling or it's just going to be around for a while so i felt okay putting it on there if i have to change it a year from two or a year or two from now that's fine but it's been so prevalent for such a long time i felt okay adding it to the list it's still everywhere pilot iroshizuku yuyake that's right uh, sit down I- you're wrong, you're wrong, but it's fine. Ackerman 16, Orange Bovin, Papier Plume Sazerac, and Sailor Apricot. Yeah, Sailor Apricot is is one with a bullet. That's my favorite orange ink. It's on the lighter side of things, and I'm only able to recommend it because they finally decided to keep it, I think. <laughs> so you never know. This has gone on and off the market in three different times or at least two different times and been renamed or remodeled uh it's been ken mokuse twice it's been apricot twice right now it exists as apricot um and it is a little different than the ken mokuse uh it's a little bit lighter but i i just think that's just a really bright shiny orange ink Sazerac has a little bit more caramelly brownish characteristics, which I really enjoy. It's much, it's a very different ink than Apricot. 
Um, and then orange bovin is different from both of those. And that is just pure bright orange, kind of like lucky orange. Lucky orange and orange bovin are, are a little bit similar in that they're just pure straight up orange. And then Yu Yucky has a little bit of those uh, shading characteristics. Uh, you know, it's kind of got a little bit of brightness to it, a little bit of yellow, a little bit of brown, and it shades a little bit. So I don't know. I, I love I love all those. I use every one of these inks very consistently. Between these 10 inks, between blue, black, and orange, I probably have eight of them inked right now. Maybe not that many because I have a few other blue blacks inked and I've got so you don't have anything else inked I don't have I have lots of blue blacks and orange inked right now in my pens so yeah that's why you put made the list about them that's my list so that was it everyone that is the top five pens list of 2018 I hope you have enjoyed this audio extravaganza as we've gone through and listed these out for you so you could hear some of Brad's thinking a little bit of director's commentary behind the list Um, if you want to find uh, links to that list you can find them in our show notes which you can find in your podcast app of choice or you can go to relay.fm slash penaddict slash 333 thanks to Away, Casper and Pen Chalet for their support of this episode. You can find Brad's work over at penaddict.com and knock.co. Go to twitch.tv slash penaddict, follow and subscribe to Brad there. He is um, penaddict on Instagram, dowdyism on Twitter. I am iMike, I-M-Y-K-E on Instagram. Go along, give me a follow there. Um, and we'll be back next week where Brad will explain why he won't put his own favorites on his top five pens list until then (laughs) say goodbye Brad goodbye Brad (laughs) 